Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. I had a great conversation this week with Scott Houghton, the head of robotics and automation at BCW. We talked about how robotics is changing the manufacturing industry and the transformative impact it's had on BCW. We also discussed the art of mass production, the impact of COVID and Brexit on the industry, how he measures success at BCW, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Scott Houghton, Head of Robotics and Automation at BCW. Scott leads the company's adoption of automation and is a passionate advocate of the manufacturing sector in the UK. Scott has extensive experience across manufacturing and a deep knowledge of automated solutions, engineering solutions, process improvements and technical design, to name just a few. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Stuart. Uh, Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So tell us, you specialise in robotics. Not everyone knows what that's really all about. So could you paint us a picture of the workshop at BCW? Yeah, so BCW is predominantly um, an automotive supplier, uh, which means we make parts for companies like Jaguar Land Rover, Aston Martin, to assemble the vehicles, basically. So these parts are usually manufactured at high volume on what's called a CNC machine or a computer control machine. And my role really involves with coming up with a method to do this quickly, but repeatably to the quality standard required. Um, So this often involves using robotics and automation. And what does it look like? I can imagine the workshop from Iron Man. Is it anything like that? We're not quite there yet, um, but we do use, you know, some some various of new technology. Um, Use quite a bit of uh, virtual simulating for the technology to allow us to iron out any sort of problems or any uh, concepts beforehand before we get onto the shop floor and try and do it in the real world. And what was your route into the industry? Um, How did you manage that? Were you always interested in robotics? Um, (laughs) Not quite. I mean, I always uh, played about with different bits of technology, you know, replacing phone screens and fixing batteries, that kind of thing, laptop batteries and whatnot. Um, But I I began my career as an apprentice, electrical apprentice, uh, around about 10 years ago now. And I was initially going in to be um, sort of an electrical maintenance uh, apprentice. And then how we ran things at the company at the time was we sort of did rotation around departments. So the second department I fell into was the applications department, which was all to do with new project work and uh, and new equipment. And um, I I just seemed to settle really well in there. I quite liked the working with new gadgets, new technology, and, um, and you know, the new tasks involved with with looking at something um, from a fresh pair of eyes, really. It's a very traditional route into the industry. Um, you had a mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're very lucky, really. So I, I dropped on with a very intelligent, um, a very patient guy, um, my, my mentor, Richard. And um, he gave me a lot of time, really. And I would say that a lot of my robotics knowledge has been learned more work-based through my time spent with Richard than it was through the college route or through the, the apprenticeship route. 
So, I mean, in the first instance, he basically sort of gave me a robot for six months and the manual and sort of said, there you go. You've got that little bit at the back of the workshop. Make it do something interesting. Come back to me if you've got any problems. You know, so it was really good. And what was that like then, having that hands-on experience? Uh, it, it just worked wonders. Uh, it, it developed in me that sort of problem-solving capability. Um, so it allowed me to sort of say, right, okay, what, what am I trying to achieve? How do I break it down into smaller problems and then uh, work my way through it? And I could then sort of keep going back to Richard with the smaller breakdowns and say, right, how do I do this little bit now? And go and implement that and then go back to him again with another little smaller bit. And, it, you know, it allowed that, um, that flow, really. Absolutely. And you've bounced around uh, from various roles and departments in BCW. Can you just give us a, a quick potted history of that? Yeah, so um, I, I was brought into BCW for my robotics knowledge. Um, BCW was looking to start servicing their own internal projects. Um, at the time of my joining, they'd sort of uh, got everything done externally uh, with other companies. Um, and yeah, so I was brought in for my robotics. Uh, Funnily enough, at the time, I, I, I got a, a sort of six years experience in a particular robotic supplier, and it was deemed for monetary reasons and whatnot that we would go with a competitor when, when, when I began my journey at ABB. So it was quite interesting that I had to sort of rewind a little bit and apply my existing knowledge to a new piece of equipment as a whole. So we, we sort of developed a few projects internally as part of that. I then went on to sort of head up that department's robotics division, uh, and had a few guys working with myself as we we took on more projects. And then over the years, I've sort of gone from working in that singular department to being more in the team of the whole company. Um, so I sort of oversee all robotics site-wide and, and all sort of new work site-wide at BCW. Um, it gives me a bit more of a control in hand in what route we, we take uh, when we get new projects. You already mentioned um, the automotive clients that you have. Do you want to just tell us uh, what problems do they typically have when they come to you and, and what, do you, what do you solve for them? Yeah, so um, in automotive, your, your car components are generally um, quite highly toleranced, which means that the features that they um, ask for have got to be within a certain tolerance band, you know, um, have got to be quite accurate. But also, you've got to make a large volume of these to account for the UK and probably global industry of, of car manufacture. Um, so you're talking in the region of thousands of these a week to meet the, the, the customer demand. But you've got to sort of guarantee that them thousands you, you're mass producing have all within a certain quality band. So it's finding that fine line between how quickly you can make these components, but what can you put into the process to make sure what you deliver is, is accurate and is correct? Uh, and that's a lot of the problems I sort of try and address with the systems that I get I install. And is that quite a lot of pressure on your shoulders then? Uh, it is, yeah, because that often means that I've got to suggest new pieces of equipment to maybe solve a new problem and really put a case forward to say, this is the correct piece of equipment, this is the evidence that I've got to show that, and this is going to ultimately give us some comfort factor that we can relax a little bit knowing what we're making is, is correct. Absolutely. And how would you say the automotive sector is changing and, and how do those changes affect you at BCW? Um, I would definitely say, obviously, with the impact of COVID, there's been a change over the past 12 to 18 months. Um, if anything, I think in the UK industry, it's given us a bit of a kick to start embracing technology more and embracing new equipment. Traditionally, I think we've been sort of a bit old school in the fact that we sort of man things up with, with lots of manual labour and manual, manual power and maybe a little bit scared of embracing the new technology. And I would think definitely beginning with BCW's journey, 
and going forward, I would hope that that would spread to other, uh, to you know, the greater industry in the UK, um, to 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 bring more automation robotics into the workplace. And rather than seeing that as a detraction from jobs, seeing that as progression within the industry to then provide more skill to operate this new equipment. So automation is really not something to be afraid of, and robots are our friends. Definitely not. There's there's a, this predetermined idea in the UK that robots are here to take our jobs, and we're all going to be uh, you know homeless because nobody can get any jobs. Um, but it's a, it's a completely different idea, really. What what we want to be looking at is increasing the skill of these guys um, or, or, or ladies to to allow them to work with the equipment, uh, and rather than removing them from the industry bringing them up so that they know how to use these robots, so they know how to program, install, work with these robots. And ultimately, that can only be beneficial to themselves and and the global industry. So electrical cars are obviously the big thing that's coming up in the future. What do you think that looks like? What do you think is coming in? And and what's your role in the creation of that revolution? Yeah, it's quite interesting, really. It's changed the mindset in manufacturing. So traditionally, in uh, automotive manufacturing, you've got a lot of steel components, heavy metal components to give you that structure, that protection in a vehicle. But with the introduction of electrical vehicles, there's more of a sway on the the weight of the vehicle itself. Because your drive mechanism has got a lot less torque than the traditional engine, you're looking at your vehicle being of a lot lighter weight. So I know when I joined BCW, they were going through a transitional period of implementing more aluminium manufacture. Aluminium's a much lighter piece of metal than steel. Um, and definitely within the Jaguar Land Rover and, uh, and Aston Martin sort of um, manufacture that, that I've been experiencing, the sway is towards this lighter components that are designed for strength rather than just being solid lump to metal, um, because that then allows the vehicle itself to be a lot lighter, which means that you get a lot more um, drive and a lot more distance out of your, your battery power. Um, so there's definitely been a, a conscious decision to implement lighter materials in the manufacture of vehicles. Right. So, I mean, if you, if you were to give yourself a long-term goal working with robotics and automation, what would you say that was and where are you on the journey? Um, I would say that I, I want to get to a point where everybody involved within robotics is extremely comfortable with them being in their environment. And that can fall down to your, your, your managers and the company owners that are buying the equipment that sort of still have a bit of scepticism on whether it's the right route to go. And then also the, the guys on the, you know, the people on the shop floor who were using the equipment to then feel comfortable around it and not feel daunted, feel like they're going to be replaced or feel like they're not uh, qualified enough to use this kit. You know, we need to be giving them the comfort factor that, they, you know, this is the right step forward. So it's trying to find the human side within that automation, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. There's not, not by a long shot, which shall we remove the human element from manufacturing. There's always going to be a factor of human element and it, and it definitely required within manufacturing. There's, there's plenty of things that humans can do that, that robots just aren't there yet. They can't do. And at the end of the day, you're always going to need somebody to work with that equipment. Um, unfortunately, the robot doesn't work na- you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, without any, any interference, without anybody coming looking at it, doing minor repairs, keeping the equipment running, working hand in hand with it. So it's all about that synthesis at the end of the day. Of course it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And mass production is at the centre of everything you do there. What is the secret? What is the art of uh, good mass production, would you say? Uh, repeatability, in a word. Um, and that sort of means really that if you 
people underestimate how many things they do without really thinking about it. And by, what I mean by that is how many times if you're putting a component in somewhere, you might give it a little blowdown with an airline or give it a tap with your, your little rubber mallet just to make it fit better. And that isn't directly transferable over to robotics. A robot will do exactly what it's told. It will put that square block in that square hole. Now, if that square block slightly too big or the hole slightly too small, then you're going to end up with some form of collision or some kind of error. Mm. Um, and this is sort of the understanding that we've got to uh, we've got to repeat the raw component. We've got to repeat the equipment we use. Everything's got to be consistent. And in that manner, you can then have a reliable mass production of that then them components. So let's let's make it concrete. Can you give us an example of project that you're especially proud of? Uh, something that you've really felt a sense of achievement from. Yeah, so so as I said, when I first joined BCW, um, for one reason or another, we went down the competitor's uh, robotic solution. So my history was in um, a company called Fanet Robotics, which are a, you know a global uh, robotics company, and we started went over to the competitors being ABB Robotics. So the general concept of robotics is pretty much the same, but the the manner and the language in which you use differs obviously between supplier. Um, so I was tasked with putting in a, quite a large uh, production line upon joining BCW, and I basically sort of learned the kinks of that while installing this line. And this was a big um, multiple robot cell with, with, with four machines per cell, two robots, conveyor belts, vision systems, various other little aspects of the system. And really, it, it was a big learning curve. And I'll, I'll be honest, a lot of going backwards and forwards with the supplier and going backwards and forwards with the ABB engineers to uh, put this line in. And the good thing about that was we then had a second line, which was going to be a duplicate. And the amount of assistance I required on the duplicate significantly decreased because of the things I'd learned on the initial cell. So I was very happy with that. And that, that line now runs today problem-free, basically. Um, you know, the, the, the guys working with the equipment seem a lot, a lot happier. And obviously the guys who are looking at the numbers getting things out the door, they're, again, a lot happier. So it's worth all the blood, sweat and tears at the beginning for the final result? It was definitely worth the effort, yeah, put in. Yeah, I learned a lot on that project. Uh, you know, a lot that give me the knowledge and, and I use today on a daily basis to put in the new equipment that I, I, I use now. Mm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the wider context and manufacturing itself. COVID, it's the problem that's haunted us all. How's it impacted your end of the industry? Um, it's quite a funny one, really. I think there was this idea that it was going to plummet and that we were going to really struggle. Um, you know, people weren't going to be going anywhere. They weren't going to be spending money. They weren't going to be buying cars. And if anything, we saw the reverse of that. It's as if everybody thought, we can't spend our money on holidays, so we're all going to get ourselves a new car. Mm. Um, and, and the industry really seemed to bounce back really quickly. I was away for four or five weeks initially when, when COVID first started, and I was straight back in the. I was amongst maybe just two or three people on the shop floor, but I was straight working on the, on the next project, ready for the shop floor guy, you know, people coming back into work. You know, there wasn't really a, a downward spiral that we, we, we expected. If anything, it's been an upward spiral in a sense that people are starting to embrace that technology a lot more and seeing where else in the company it can be used. Because I think the, the, um, the negative effect of COVID, of people being not on the work floor, um, you know, people getting COVID and being away from the the job for two to three weeks at a time, if need, you know, required. It's definitely having an impact, and it's showing that you know that doesn't necessarily happen if you've got a robot there. You know, if you've got one guy operating six or seven robotic systems, the chances of a COVID problem are significantly reduced because they're not working hand in hand with other people on the shop floor. 
Um, so it's definitely been a drive upwards as opposed to downwards in, in that industry. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Everybody's kind of always wanted robots and automation to kind of turn that corner and maybe this is the time it's going to happen. I think so, yeah. And um, compared to other countries as well in terms of automation, how are we doing and what can we do to kind of keep up with them or surpass them? Um, yeah, I mean, at the minute, we're definitely behind the rest of Europe in the manufacturing industry when it comes to automated equipment. Um, I believe there was a statistic that maybe two or three years ago that for every um, 70 people on the shop floor, there was one robot in the wider Europe. But for the UK, it was every 400 people to one robot. Mm. So there's a significant difference in the in the numerical figures there. Um, and I think for us, we need to start looking at the uh, training provided and how we give that on a more formal basis to the engineers coming up. Um, as I said previously, I was very lucky that I had the mentor to show me the robotic side of things in industry. And if I hadn't had that, um, I wouldn't be where I am today now because my electrical apprenticeship didn't cover any of the aspects required to do the robotics work. Um, and I think it's definitely critical that industry starts looking at how we work with the training facilities, how we work with the colleges, the universities, to come up with more um, time-specific courses, you know, come up with things that embrace more modern technology and work on that so that when people are coming out of the educational environment, they've got the skills needed to walk straight into these positions. They're not needing two or three years on the job to learn it before they start really making headway themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you could take a message to government, for example, what would you be asking them for? Um, I would be looking at definitely giving more funding to the to the training factor of things, the colleges, the universities, to, to purchase the equipment required. The cost of this equipment, robotics, you know, n- new technologies, has significantly dropped in recent years um, just because of the, the cost of manufacture has significantly dropped. You know, the, the cost of building and making the components required um, has become more commonplace. So I think that the, we, we need to start investing more money into the um, colleges to buy a robot, you know, create these courses. We need to be supporting it on a more public forum. We need to be speaking to the educational secretaries and whatnot and saying, how do we create these courses so that, um, you know, people can be trained where we're required? Mm, absolutely. And then the other big problem that we're facing at the moment, obviously, is the after effects of Brexit. No matter how you stand on that issue, it's shaken things up. What's that done for you and what's the future looking like? We've not necessarily seen a, a downward spiral in different nationalities within the industry. We've, we've still got many employees of varying nationalities, so we're not seeing a direct uh, impact at the moment. And I can hopefully that's only a positive thing. Um, again, it, it may push a, a further drive to the robotics side of things um, if we start seeing the, the, the external um, assistance and labour coming in from abroad. But at the moment, we're still seeing a comfortable um, variation between nationalities within the industry. So fingers crossed it shouldn't affect us too negatively at the moment. It sounds like you're sort of negotiating all those um, troubled waters quite well. And uh, I guess that's down to the experience you got as an apprentice and everything you've done within BCW. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, we've got to look at supporting people going forward to provide the best environment for the industry. Um, um, and be it technology and be it um, external labour and assistance through, through different people coming from abroad. You know, we've got to support both factors because we all want the same goal to have a comfortable working environment that, that creates the best productivity. If you could pick only one metric for your business to improve over time, what metric would have the greatest and most sustainable impact 
on the growth of your business? I would say that the we would have to look at the inclusion of other people within the business and the um, understanding around robotics and automation. As I said previously, that the the idea around robotics is still a little bit um, sort of sitting on the fence, really, within the UK. Um, there are companies that are embrace it, but it's still a path towards getting the full UK to embrace robotics as a whole. Um, and we're only going to be able to do that through people. So we've got to include everybody that the, the robotics affects within the industry in the initial um, decisions to implement it within a company and explain to them individuals how this affects them directly. How will this affect your job? Are you going to have to be, have new, new training and, um, and new skills learned to be able to work with the equipment? You know, I, 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 is your working day going to change because of this new piece of equipment? Uh, and that's the understanding we've got to, um, you know, we've got to instill it in the workforce, really. Mm, absolutely. Imagine a future where the UK was leading the world, maybe in the next five to 10 years. In that parallel universe, what do you think the manufacturing industry has done to get us to that prime position? Again, and I don't like to repeat myself too much, but it's definitely the embracing of the technology um, within the workforce. Uh, I would say that in the next sort of three to five years, any large manufacturing company that hasn't got some form of robotics or automation present and is still relying on heavy manpower is going to struggle. You know, we've seen this with, with the pandemic. We've seen this with COVID. I'm sure in the future there are going to be other things that come up that can impact uh, people's day-to-day lives on whether they can get to and from work repeatedly. Um, and having this other piece of technology is going to um, allow us to continue manufacture, continue production without being affected too drastically by these aspects. Uh, we've definitely got to embrace the technology, embrace the equipment and start investing in it investing in the skill level, investing in the, the equipment itself and allowing our engineers that are coming up through the ranks to be prepared for the new technological influx. You know, I, I sort of uh, compare it to the industrial revolution in a sense that we're now in the UK going through a technological revolution. As during the industrial revolution, the skills required to operate the new forms of machinery had to be taught and had to be given to the workforce and provided and again, we're at the same point now where we've got to provide them skills to the workforce. We've got to invest in the equipment and that would allow us five years in the future to be on par or if not leading uh, manufacturing on a global market. You know, the UK has always historically been very successful in the manufacturing environment and we, we have it in us to do it again um, if we embrace the way that the, the, the global market is going technologically wise. Absolutely. So we'll end the show in the same way we do every week by asking you to tell us uh, if there's one invention that was never manufactured, your life would become unbearable. What What's the one invention that you can't live without? Uh, well, it's a little bit cliche for my generation, but I've got to set the mobile phone. And I mean this not because of checking football scores or taking pictures of my evening meal, but just the access in your hand to the wider internet. So many times on a day-to-day um, occurrence, am I thinking, oh, I need to ask the internet a question. I need to, you know, look at forum sites. Generally, if you've got a problem, somebody else has had that problem before you and they've figured it out, or at least they're debating how to figure it out. And being able to just jump on your mobile phone, take a quick picture of what you're working on, you know, go and jump on a forum site, ask Google. It just makes your day-to-day running so much easier. So, yeah, I've got to say, the introduction of having that handheld gadget to the world is uh, makes things a lot more productive. It is hard to imagine life... Uh before and uh, without it now isn't it um thanks so much all it leaves me to do is to just uh, say thanks for such um, an insightful chat about robotics and automation scott houghton 
Subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Stuart Black. See you next time. Thank you.